Let me try to uh, create an imaginary scenario for you. Let's say that it's Saturday night. It's uh, 10 till 7. And a couple, a husband and wife, are getting ready to go to a dinner party. Uh, there's a problem, though, because uh, the dinner party is 20 minutes away, and if they leave right at that instant, they'll already be 10 minutes late. And let's say, just for the case of, uh, just for the sake of this scenario, let's say it's the wife who's running late, not ready. <laughs> Could be the husband, often in our house, it, it can be. I want to check the score one more time, get a snack real fast, whatever. But in this case, it's the wife. And they should have left 10 minutes ago, and she isn't close to being ready, and the husband begins to kind of... Um, kind of shows some of those classic signs of impatience. You know what I mean? He, he walks into the room every once in a while, like every, every 60 seconds. Hey, you about ready? 60 seconds later, hey, you about ready? Begins to look at his watch, tap the watch, drum his fingers on the desktop, jingles the keys, the car keys in his pocket. And that doesn't do any good. So he, he goes out to the garage, he backs out the car, he sits there in the car with the, the, the car running on the driveway, ready to go like a getaway car at a bank robbery. Well, after a minute or two goes by, he, he has it up to here. He's reached his limit with his patience, and, and he, he runs back into the house, and he walks into the room and, and, and kind of shouts out, can you give me any idea of what day you're going to be ready? Now, other than uh, accomplishing um, an icy drive to the party, what, is he, what has he gained here? Absolutely nothing, really, right? Uh, impatience rarely makes a situation better. If anything, it, it makes it it makes it worse, doesn't it? You know, sometimes in my, my, my life, my spiritual walk with Christ, I've kind of projected onto God uh, kind of the attitude and reaction of the husband. And one of the questions I've struggled with in my life is, is God reached his limit with me? Is he, is he up to here with me? Is he getting impatient with me? Is he tired of waiting on me to change, uh, waiting for me to grow up? to get on the right path, to to start doing what I know I should do or stop doing what I know I shouldn't do. Is God in heaven screaming, Doug, can you give me some idea of what decade you're going to begin to grow up and get ready? You know, one of the fears, as I said, is that God is impatient with me. And, you know, and I've been blessed with a lot of of good opportunities. I was raised in a Christian home with Christian parents, uh, had great church growing up, great Christian friends in college, involvement with some ministries, great wife, great kids, a wonderful church setting now in which to serve. And yet, you know, if, at all, if I'm all, at all honest with myself, I, I know I'm still far from the person I should be. There's still the same personality flaws, the same uh, poor choices, personal choices, let's call it what they are, sins, that when I look back and reflect, I really haven't made much progress. In the past 10 years, 20 years, 30, in some cases, even 40 years, I still seem to struggle sometimes with the same stuff. And I begin to wonder, and I think, surely, surely God has kind of had it up to here. Surely he's finally reached his limits. Surely he's, he's running out of patience with me, sort of shaking his head, drumming his fingers, thinking, I've given you so many opportunities, Doug, so many second chances, and you still do the same stupid things. Are you ever going to change? Are you ever going to grow up? Now, now, I don't know about you, but one of the things I can tend to do in my relationships with other people, and I can tend to do it with God, is to project onto them how I might feel or think about a situation, how I might react. 
And so, for instance, if you're a parent and, you're, and your kid is struggling with the same issues and you get so frustrated, like, okay, I'm being patient, I'm trying, but they keep doing the same things, you get frustrated and you begin to reach your limit. And so I begin to project those things onto God and think that that's surely how he must react and feel towards us and towards me when we kind of aren't ready, when we're always behind, trying to get caught up, never growing up, struggling with the same stuff. So the question we're going to look at today as we continue our sermon series on how does God feel about us is, is God impatient with us? Does he kind of reach a limit? Is he, is he frustrated with us? Has he had enough? And we're going to look at a couple passages of Scripture to kind of delve into that. The first one is the one that's listed in your worship guide uh, out of Second Peter, verses 8 and 9 of chapter 3. I'm going to read those real briefly, make a couple comments, and then we're going to turn to another passage as well. But first out of 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. And we get a sense here of, uh, of God's, not only God's, the depth and length of God's patience, but also the reason for his patience. Verse 8, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Uh, so first we see that with God, he, has, he doesn't have the limits of time and perspective that we do. Uh, for him, it says, a thousand days is like a year. And so God has a long view in mind when he works with his people, when he reacts with his people, how he feels about his people. He has a long view in mind. And the reason he is patient with us, it says, is that he not, doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In other words, he gives us lots and lots of rope, so to speak, because he wants us to come to faith in him and, and to find the health and the happiness and, and the spiritual health uh, that, we, that God wants us to have in him. But what does God's patience look like, practically speaking? To answer that, we're going to go back to a passage we read last week. We didn't spend much time there. We kind of looked at it briefly but it's one of my favorite psalms, one of my top two or three psalms for me personally, Psalm 103. And we're going to look again at uh, about four or five verses. And we're going to deri- uh, kind of derive out of this four characteristics of God which demonstrate and show his, his patience with his people. And when it comes to, um, to God's patience with sinful people like us, there are four things we're going to pull out of this. First, God has a long fuse. Second, God has a short memory. Third, God has thick skin. And fourth, God has a big heart. Long fuse, short memory, thick skin, big heart. So we're going to take a look at each of those. But first, we're going to start with God's got a long fuse. Now, verse 8 of of Psalm 103 uh, says this, and it describes God's patience with us. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. In other words, God has a long fuse. And this is actually a quotation of something that was uh, written down about 500 years earlier from this psalm. Uh, and it, uh, it was first attributed to Moses when he, he wrote this down in his interaction with God. It, it goes back to Exodus chapter 32, 33, 34. Um, and there's other people who quote this in the Bible, but that's where it started. This, this phrase about God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And the, and the original scenario was that Moses is at, the, is at the top of Mount Sinai. God has called him there after God has freed his people from slavery in Egypt. 
And God says, come to bring your people here and come to the top of Mount Sinai. And I'm going to give you my laws. I'm going to tell you how to live your lives in a way that's best for you. I'm going to tell you about who I am so you know who you're serving. I'm going to tell you things like that. And so, and so Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai and, and the people run out of patience waiting for him. And remember the story, maybe you remember from the movie Ten Commandments. But the people begin to have a party. These people that God has delivered from slavery begin to worship a golden idol, a calf. And they begin to, it says, they begin to abound in drunkenness and immorality. God's reaction, of course, is pretty predictable. He's not very happy with this. In fact, it says he's angry. And he tells Moses to take a step back because he's going to wipe out these people. And he's going to start over a new nation starting only with Moses. And Moses says... Um, he, he falls on his face before God and he appeals to God's compassion and he appeals to God's patience. And God agrees and withholds his, his wrath. But he adds, I'm going to withdraw my presence from these people because I, if, if I go with you, I'm afraid I'm going to do something and wipe them out. So God's really pretty ticked here. And once again, Moses pleads with God to reconsider. And amazingly, God agrees not only to, to forgive them, to give them a second chance, but also to go with him. And then God does something interesting. He takes Moses back to the top of Mount Sinai. And he begins to give him his laws and things like that. And he says, I want to reveal to you, to you who I am. And he puts Moses on the side of the mountain and God passes by. And God himself says this about himself. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And that's the verse quoted by David in Psalm 103. God has a long fuse. Now, certainly God does get angry. We saw that just a minute ago. But God puts up with a great deal before he reaches his boiling point. And over and over again in the Bible, we're told that the reason he puts up, he has patience for us and with us as a nation and as people, is that he's hoping we'll take advantage of this period of grace and seek him and ask for his forgiveness and his strength and begin to obey him. And yet most of us make this mistaken assumption that, that God's patience really means that he isn't that concerned about our sin and our self-willed disobedience. Nothing could be further for the truth. But God is gracious and patient. He gives us time to seek him and to find him. God has a long fuse. Secondly, God has a short memory. And this is the only one that I personally consistently have in common with God. God has a short memory. In verse 9 it says, He will not always accuse nor really harbor his anger forever. A guy complained to his buddy that whenever he argued with his wife, she would get historical. His friend said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She keeps bringing up the past. Um, anybody have an experience like that? Uh, as parents, sometimes we do that with our kids, don't we? We try to be patient with them and, and they keep screwing up. And eventually we say, that's the 33rd time or the 50th time or whatever it is, you've done that. But God does not relate to us as we relate to our children. Scripture tells us that God has a short memory. Psalm 130, verse 3 says that if God kept a detailed record of our sins, no one would be able to stand in his presence. In Isaiah 57, 16, God says, if I kept throwing your past failures into your face, if I chose to retain an angry disposition toward you because of your sin, your spirit within you would grow faint before me and you would wither up and you would die. Can you imagine if God had the attitude that we often have with each other regarding patience. 
For instance, what if I, I, I blow up at my kids and it's, it's, it's the second time this week and it's probably the 15th time that month and, or whatever it is, and I go to God and say, would you please forgive me? I blew it again. And God said, well, that's the limit. I, I'm done. I've had it. My patience has run out. Thank goodness once we, once we seek God's forgiveness, he chooses to have a short memory when we do sin. So God has a long fuse, God has a short memory, and God has, thirdly, thick skin. Verse 10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Upon accepting an award for his career as a comedian, the late late Jack Benny remarked, I really don't deserve this, but I have arthritis, and I don't deserve that either. If God punished us every time we deserved it, we would be in perpetual Time out. Every time we turned around, if God treated us that way, God would be chasing us for a selfish attitude or a prideful spirit or materialism or an indifference to the needs of those around us. And the Bible word for this, this uh, thick skin of God's is forbearance, which is an aspect of, of patience. And the Bible says love covers a, a multitude of sins. There, there are a lot of things that God never brings up to us because he's chosen in his love to cover them over. Scripture says God does not treat us as our sins deserve. And if God doesn't give you what you think you deserve, then you should be thankful. God has a long fuse. He has a short memory. He has thick skin. But fourthly, God also has a big heart. Verses 11 and 12 say, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. King David, the psalmist here, uh, tells us that when we ask God to forgive our sin, he removes them as far as the east is from the west. You know, if you look at a globe and you'll see that the east and the west are actually farther apart than the north from the south. Uh, Let me explain. When you start in Kansas and you head towards the North Pole, you're going north. But eventually you begin heading south. The north and the south eventually meet. If you start in Kansas and you head east, you'll never be going west. You'll always be going east. The east and the west in God's world, in God's universe, never meet. The psalmist says, God will remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. So what that means is that when God has forgiven our sin, it is forgotten. If you ever wondered how serious God is about dealing with our sin because of his love for us, There are all sorts of metaphors in Scripture to describe what he does in regard to our sin. Micah 7.19 says, He will trample your sin underfoot and throw it into the deepest parts of the sea. Isaiah 38.17 says, He will put your sin behind his back where he cannot see it. Isaiah 43.25 says, He will blot our sin out. Isaiah 44.22 says, Our sin will be swept away like, like a morning mist under a burning sun. And Jeremiah 31, 34 says, God will refuse to remember our sin. He will block it out of his memory. Have you ever experienced that that sort of forgiveness? How big of a heart God has for his people. It can't even be measured. And and this morning, God wants each of us to, to bask in his grace. And he is patient with each of us as he waits for us to do so. He is patient as we struggle to grow and get going in the right direction. He is patient with us as we ignore him and go our own way. 
But He wants us to come to confess, to trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us. But I want to tell you something. Even if you've experienced that grace and forgiveness, it's possible as a child of God that maybe you're not basking in that grace today because you've forgotten. You have a wrong idea of who God is. You've forgotten that He has a long fuse and a short memory and and thick skin and a big heart because maybe you've not experienced that sort of grace and forgiveness and patience in your relationships with other people. But the scripture does not lie and tells us that God is both our creator and our father, and therefore he understands our human frailty, our weakness. He has compassion on us. He has patience with us because of who we are. Verse 13 tells us, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers we're dust. Our days are like grass. We flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over us and, and we're gone. And our place is remembered no more. The, the Bible in Psalm 103, King David describes the frailty and brevity and, and the weakness of human life. And we're not as invincible as we, as we often think we are. And God understands that. And because he does, he is patient with us. You know, one of my favorite characters in, in, the, in the Old Testament is the prophet uh, Elijah because he's just a, he's kind of a guy's guy. He's in your face. He's kind of rough and ready and, and he's not afraid of a fight. And, and on one occasion, we, there's an example where, remember, he, he, he stands up to 850 false prophets. He has a showdown and he says, okay, we're going to see whose God is really God. And so he says, we'll, we'll do have this challenge. I will build an altar. You'll build an altar. We'll each make a sacrifice. And you guys get to go first. Call down uh, fire from your God in heaven and burn up the sacrifice. And they try and they try and nothing happens, of course. And then it's Elijah's turn, and he, and he calls for God, and God sends fire and burns up the sacrifice, burns up the, the water, burns up the, even the stones of the altar. It's a great victory for, for, for Elijah. But in the process of doing this, he also humiliates the wicked queen Jezebel, and she puts out a hit on him. She makes a contract out and basically says, I'm going to have you killed. And, and Elijah, even though he's just had this major victory, crumbles and runs off scared. And he's, he's physically exhausted and he's spiritually depleted and he's starving for a good meal and he's despondent and he's whiny. He says, it's over, I just want to die. I can't handle it, it's too much. But God knows that Elijah is a frail man and he has mercy on him and he restores him and he sets Elijah on his feet. God is patient with Elijah. And what this means for us is that whenever we're in a situation where we throw up our hands and say, I just can't take any more of this. I can't take one more critical word from my spouse. I can't take one more bad medical report. I can't take one more insult from my child. I can't take one more morning waking up in physical pain. One more sleepless night with a spouse. One more bad interaction. One more demand from my boss. One more disappointment from a friend. No more no more, I can't take one more moral failure in the same old area. God knows how much we can take. And God knows better than us our limitations. But God is a God who will supply the strength that we need to overcome. And God is a God who is patient with us because he loves us. And he wants us to come to him freely and fully. Because God is a God who has a long fuse, a short memory, thick skin, and God, thank God, has a huge heart.
Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, uh, we are grateful that you are a God who just doesn't place us here and then leave us to wonder who you are and what you're about. You reveal yourself to us, who you are through your word, through your son, Jesus Christ, through your Holy Spirit. And God, when we come to you, um, so often we place our own ideas upon who you are because of who we are. And Lord, we are thankful this morning that you are a God who is patient, that you are long-bearing, you're forbearing, that you are a God who does not keep a record of wrong, but extends us grace and mercy when we come to you and ask for it. Lord, we thank you that um, you uh, love us so much, that you give us time and space to come to you, uh, that, Lord Jesus, you are calling us to you. Father, we pray for each person here today that we would have a correct view of God, that God is a God with um, a long fuse, a short memory, a thick skin, and a huge heart that loves us so much. Thank you for your patience, God. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.